Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and the Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data, and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am talking with Edward Zong, the creator of IE, the AI-powered smart mirror for your home. Edward, thanks so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Thanks for having us, Rick. So this technology is really cool. Uh, I mean, basically it's, you know, meet your new personal assistant inside your home. This amazing, visually stunning AI-powered smart mirror. Many times if you've stayed at these luxurious hotels and things like that, you've had the opportunity to play with it or mess with it. And now you can bring this to the comfort of your own home. So this this device launched a few days ago. It's already over $80,000 in funding and hundreds of backers have already supported it. So Edward, I'm really excited to hear about where, where this all starts and what inspired you to create this smart mirror. Yeah, sure. So we really love our product and we really hope to, uh, we really hope that our customers will love it as well. So this, uh, this whole company started behind the vision of changing how the smart home industry fundamentally is really. Um, most of the members on our team are either former product designers or software engineers for um, smart home based companies like Nestor, Google. And through our experience in this industry, it just seems that although there are really cool products being made every year, it, it seemed like the smart home industry was rather dull and a little bit boring. So we really wanted to change the status quo of the smart home industry in general and bring better design, uh, more functionality, and kind of a more futuristic feel, really, and take that take that risk that other big companies were hesitating to take for some reason. That's where the vision started, and we started with the smart mirror because the mirror is an object that is very recognizable and already in everyone's homes. Making that object, if you will, a very simple object that everyone already is familiar with into our first kind of flagship product seemed like a gut instinct move. And really for us, it was it was very natural to build out a lot of the features. And, and this is something that we've wanted for ourselves for a long time. So we're very passionate about the product and the vision. And uh, yeah, we hope, we hope everyone else, when we deliver the product later this year, will feel the same. Oh, I'm sure they will. So let's talk about the, the process. When you guys were creating IE, what was that process like? How did you go about deciding what features to include, potential stretch goals, or different integrations into the device itself? Sure. 
That's a great question because we feel that in general, when people market a, a product as something that is AI powered or really anything that has artificial intelligence or machine learning embedded into the marketing, it's it's really、um, a fad because they don't understand first. Many of these companies don't understand what true artificial intelligence or machine learning is. They're saying it as a buzzword so that people who like technology or consumer tech will buy into it. But the AI behind the actual product, it really doesn't. Do anything to help the user. So we wanted to steer that in a completely different direction, and move in a direction that created apps that were actually useful for the user. So when it comes to the usefulness, we kind of examine what someone would actually use our product for. And the first thing that comes to mind is augmented reality.、Um, so we started with a huge focus on AR because we know that this is the purest form of augmented reality you're ever going to get. Of course, when you have an iPad or an iPhone and you open the camera app, you can have a you can have and implement、uh, basic augmented reality through the camera lens. But in a smart mirror, you can actually see not only on a bigger display, but in a true natural environment, the the clearest, most crystal form of augmented reality. And this can be used for you know real estate agents who want to show potential clients. Potential furnishings and interior decorations in their new homes, and they don't even have to stage the house anymore.、Um, they can open up their clients' imagination and hopefully sell more homes、um, and make their clients happier this way. It can be used by actors and actresses who need to switch their makeup every morning so that they don't need to go to a makeup store, Sephora, every single day and pick up products. They can try it right on their face using augmented reality in the eye smart here. So there are a lot of these unique, pure applications that we thought of that are not just marketing fads for cool tech. It's real things that people need that can be embedded in just what happens to cool. What just happens to be a really cool product. So we started with augmented reality, and we kind of proceeded based off this mindset, based off this thought process of actually useful. Cases of AI instead of just cool uses of AI, and that's the case for all our applications,、um, all our integrations. So, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you guys have encountered while designing this product? There,、uh, there have been a lot of challenges, I'd say. So, there, the biggest one,、um, probably along the timeline, we started with hardware first. Hardware,、uh, the biggest challenge was really thinning it down. Now we could have shipped with a five centimeter thick casing, which is what the default setting was when we first started to develop it. That was really the size that our manufacturers were comfortable fitting all the electronic components into, along with the camera, all the sensors. But we weren't happy with that because it doesn't matter how much, how many excuses there are. People don't like a thick mirror. That will never change. So what we decided to try. Was to put all the core electronics into a separate compartment that is hit,、um, attached via the charging cord, and by doing this, we were able to bypass the thickness,、uh, the thickness, and able to narrow the device down to two centimeters, which we're still trying to get down. But two centimeters allows most people to be able to mount it flush within their walls, so you wouldn't even notice there's a protruding mirror there, and that took a lot of time in terms of hardware. 
the, uh, the second and probably biggest challenge we had on the software side and that we're still continuing to face, to be honest, and still like working on is having is gathering the data for the machine learning. Because as a startup, we are not Google and we don't have access to the massive machine learning database that they have. When they develop an, a new AI application or a new deep learning application, they have billions of people with user data to pull from and they can learn from that and they can make uh, judgments or presumptions based off all that data. We don't have billions of users and we cannot use the big company's uh, user data. So what we have to do is basically pull from as many data points as we can through, you know, kind of like just scrapping together data, if you will, and uh, doing data cleaning. So making sure we get rid of data that is outlying or won't help the algorithms and then and from there, kind of do the groundwork that all these big tech companies are doing to build the apps. So that's a really difficult aspect that has nothing to do with how good our developer is and nothing to do with how hard we're working. It's just something that is the way it is, unfortunately. And we have to, we have to just work 10 times as hard as they do to achieve the same result. Yeah, I'm sure. So what, what tips would you have then, Edward, for someone else looking to develop a techie product like this? I would say if, if someone is trying to develop something with AI apps, my biggest tip would be to use as many open APIs and already built things as possible because most creators tend to underestimate the um, amount of work that goes into creating something custom, whether it be an operating system or even just one app. It takes a long time depending on the complexity of the app whether it be for Android or iOS or any other platform. And I think that if, if people try to do the research and adjusted their product features to, to things that can be built without too much customization, it, it would be a lot easier. Of course, if there is actually nothing out there that is, it, it is matching the feature that a creator wants to build, then there really is no choice but to custom build it. And then I think the evaluation has to be made like, does this feature really make a groundbreaking difference that we have to really go in and custom build it? And then once, you know, once they make, once you make that decision, it's kind of like a tree branch from there. But, uh, you, yeah, using as many things that exist as a fun, as a foundation would be, would definitely be my advice. Absolutely. Solid advice there, Edward. So let's jump into the crowdfunding campaign and specifically on your campaign video. I really like the video in terms of showcasing all the use case and then highlighting, you know, a founding member of the team in terms of the product itself. So what did that process look like and how did you guys go about deciding what to include in your video and then what got left out of the video? Sure. So we had, this is a, this is a long story. We had at least, um, actually four or five different videos created throughout the, uh, preparation of, um, launching a product. And the reason it was so difficult for us to do any sort of asset creation, like photography or video, is because a mirror is just um, physically probably the most difficult thing to photograph and um, film. Because when you, it, and it has to do with the lighting and reflective surface of it, you can't, you can't obviously have the camera in the shot. A lot of small technical things that add up and make the task really difficult. So we did a lot of different shoots with different people and different studios before we got got everything actually together. 
one of the versions so what we just how we decided the final video was really seeing the target audience respond on the live campaign um and we realized a couple things right first before the campaign you know we are mostly on the younger side and in terms of just the average age of our team so the taste preference of our own personal preferences is going to differ vastly from what kickstarter the actual target audience was i would probably venture to say that the, the people who are purchasing our product were um, on average double our age so we had to actually switch it up the third day of the campaign so we switched the music we we um basically switched the speed of the the video a little bit make it slower to match that target audience and i guess the biggest difference was that they preferred a more refined like slower less jumpy taste as with everyone we had validated with what was like young like ourselves and wanted a more hype you know apple iphone x kind of feeling to it so we really should have done a little more targeted validation before but it's good that we made the switch because we're seeing okay conversion from it uh, currently um but i would advise probably when people make the video going forward to not not like binge to not rely too much on personal preference even though that is important in the long run but also to to ask to think about what people on kickstarter in general like yeah no really good insights into there so in in keeping in that thread let's talk a little bit about your experience with your backers so far now that you've had a few hundred backers in there looks like you're getting some really good feedback how have you been going about managing the feedback and promoting the campaign but also you know looking at your backers over 60 percent of the backers are first-time backers on kickstarter so has there been any insights into that in terms of the community that you're starting to build? Yeah, so that is really interesting. And um, actually, we don't know why, but if, if 60% of the backers are first time, I think a lot of it is probably due to um, our network and friends during just the first day, us telling them to come in. Most of them have never heard of Kickstarter before or created an account. But, you know, reaching out and building a community is important for the for the sake of the product what we have to focus on mostly is balancing that feedback we get uh with actual product development and realisticness because what most of our backers unfortunately are not going to understand is the complexity of the product so when they ask for a certain thing they may think it's easy but it is in reality not so we also have to be able to manage expectations for example, just as a very tangible example, when we asked for stretch goal suggestions, a lot of people reached out and just gave a lot of suggestions. For example, like, can you make something, uh, can you make a separate operating system exactly like uh, the Tony Stark Iron Man one that looks like the one in the movie and that, and that performs like Jarvis? Well, we can't because an entire operating system like that takes, like, months. And... Um, and the other reason is that, of course, the, the movie operating system and UI doesn't actually work. Like, if you actually were to build that, it would be extremely unfriendly to users and you wouldn't even know how to use it. It would just look cool and that's about it. So there's some things like that where you really have to be stern as a creator. And backers will respect it because then they, they respect you. They know, you know, you've basically shown that you know what you're talking about 
and you're not just agreeing to random things that to make them happy. So that's that's important for us. But yeah, it's, it's great to see the outpour support, and we still value their feedback a lot. We just have to keep a, keep a good balance. Absolutely. So what's been the biggest surprise for you so far early on in this campaign? The biggest surprise was um, probably the uh, probably the uh, fact that we had to. Well, it was probably the trend of the campaign in general. We usually, you know, when you look at Kick Track and like relatively successful projects, it goes it goes up on day one, and then the trend is like. Uh, down, 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 and then towards the end, and might like go back up. For us, the trend is gonna look really weird, <laughs> and uh, it's not a good or bad thing. It's just gonna look weird. So it's gonna, it's, it's like up and then down, and then it goes climbing back up, which I think is cool because I've never seen anything like it. And I, I look at a lot of kick tracks, and a lot of, do a lot of analyzations, so um, that's probably been the most surprising part. But you know, I don't know what to make of it really. I just, it was just surprising to me. Awesome. Well, Edward, this is going to get us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. You good to go? Uh, yeah, sure. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? I don't think anything really inspired me. I think it was just in my nature. So if you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? Mm, probably, having a, probably having an espresso with uh, Steve Jobs. Either Steve Jobs or Wozniak would be really cool. Nice. So what would be your first question for Steve or Waz? If you could take more free time. Well, I know for Jobs, because he's, he's passed away, I would um, ask him, if you could take more free time during your living life, would you have done it? Yeah. What about for Waz? Well, he's still living, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We won't ping him then. Uh, what book would you recommend to our listeners? I'm going to be very honest. I do not read a lot of books, so I would not feel that with that. How about a blog? A blog that I can help with. If you're creating a Kickstarter campaign, I would go on the Kickstarter forum. It's not necessarily a blog, it's a forum, but uh, it's a pretty good resource. Absolutely. So where do you see yourself in five years, Edward? I see myself continuing to uh, make products, making great products, and... Uh, yeah, that's what I love doing. So that's all I say. That's all doing. All right, last question, Edward. What does the future of crowdfunding look like? Oh wow! So the future of crowdfunding, I think, you know, I think what two directions. I think one is equities. Crowdfunding is going to be huge because I think people love even bigger ideas. And I've seen, you know, private jet companies start start doing like um, even like uh, what do you call it? Cryptocurrency based equity crowdfunding. And I also think crowdfunding is going to be a great way for, you know, younger and younger entrepreneurs, in fact, to get into actual hardware. And I personally love consumer tech and hardware. And I think it's just something tangible you can, like, hold in your hand instead of software where you code it. It goes somewhere online and it's just stored in, it's stored in some, like, Sublime or text editor. So I, I, I really hope that crowdfunding is an actual inspiration for more people to get into hardware and I think it'll inspire more young uh, young people to uh, be able to create tech products. Absolutely. Well, Edward, this has been awesome. This is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should check you out. Sure. So, um, 
if you are interested in smart home technology or yeah, just beautiful products for your home in general, you can check out our campaign. It's spelled uh, I, so A-Y-I. Just search up A-Y-I on Kickstarter and just uh, our project should pop up and you can check us out. Awesome. Well, audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to the campaign, and everything else we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Backer Kit. And if you like this episode, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Edward, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Roy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.